Well, if you'd open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17. Last week we met, we started the study of David and Goliath. It's probably one of the most popular Bible stories out there, and we've been kind of taking a look at it from a little different perspective. We've, we've sort of been applying it to our life as, as, as well as taking a look at David's life here. And what we're finding is that if we can realize that there's Goliaths in our life that we face, there's giants in our life that we face as well. And, you know, those giants aren't always sin. It could be a sin or a struggle or an addiction. That could be a Goliath, but it could also be, it could also be a circumstance, it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be the, the calling of the Lord to step out in faith and you being afraid to do that. That thing, the, the Goliaths in our life are anything that's keeping us from accomplishing what God has for us. Anything that's really hindering me from stepping out in faith, from, from being obedient in, in maybe, maybe overcoming a sin in my life, anything that's really keeping me from it, if we'll just take a look at that as a Goliath or a giant in our life, we're going to be able to look as we see David face Goliath, and we're going to see some incredible ways that he dealt with the giant in his life, and the way that he dealt with the giant in his life, if we use those principles in our life, they'll help us overcome our Goliaths as well. So last time when we met, the Israelites were doing battle against the Philistines. They were lined up to do battle all across there, and uh, Goliath, this mammoth of a man came out. He's, he's said to be about nine feet tall, and he basically lays it all out there. They're getting ready to do battle. They're all in their battle array, and Goliath comes out, and he says this to the nation Israel. He says, choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So he's basically laying out a challenge. You give me your best man. I'm, I'm, I am our best man. Let's, let's not just get everybody involved. Let's just him and I fight. If I win, we win. If you win, then you win. If your man wins, then, then we win. Let's just solve it real easy. There's a fear factor going on there. Because remember, he's nine feet tall. <laughs> Now, I've never seen a nine-foot-tall person, but I've seen a seven-foot-tall person. The bigger they get, the scarier they get. Imagine being a little kid. You ever see a little kid's reaction around somebody really tall? They're like, ooh. Can you imagine your reaction around somebody nine feet tall? Be like, whoa, that's, that's big. Won't even fit in most of our houses. They're eight-foot roofs. So think about it. It's, it's a basketball hoop is 10 feet tall. So you're, his head is almost touching the rim of a basketball hoop. So he lays this out there. It's sort of doing battle by representation, which we talked briefly about. We've overcome the battle by representation, about, our, about the death of Christ. He represented us, so we have the victory in him. So Goliath's out there putting this battle by representation out there, and the nation Israel, when they hear this, when they see this in his armor, in his size, this just mere mountain of a man, we read in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were broken, it means. It means they were, their knees were knocking. This wasn't like, I'm going to keep pushing on. I'm just a little nervous. This was like, I'm scared to death. I'm not taking another step forward. And we read it went on for 40 days. And then David, the shepherd, comes up. There's a little shepherd boy, young shepherd boy, late teens, early 20s. He's considered a youth, a youth. He comes along and uh, he says, wait a minute. He, remember his dad sends him with some food to bring to the supply lines. David comes along. He's hearing what's going on about Goliath. And he noticed that all of these guys are afraid of Goliath. And oh, I want to back up real quick. Why were they afraid of Goliath? 
We talked about this last week. Why were they afraid of Goliath? Was it because they were cowards? No, they were, they were warriors. They were soldiers. They weren't cowards. They weren't afraid for that reason. Why were they afraid of Goliath? They were afraid of Goliath because they were, they were looking at things from the wrong perspective. Remember we talked about that? They were looking at the wrong, they had the wrong perspective of the situation that was in front of them. You see the giant, the Goliath that was standing in front of them, they had the earthly perspective or the fleshly perspective. That's what was messing them up. David comes along and David has the spiritual perspective. He has the right perspective. He's seeing the situation from God's eyes. You see, the Israelites saw a giant bigger than themselves. The Israelites saw a giant stronger than themselves. They saw a giant with superior weapons. Remember how big his sword was and his javelin and he had all the scales and the armor. He was, he was superior to them. They were looking at all of these things from man's perspective. They were measuring themselves against what's their enemy that stood out there with their own abilities. They never took into account God's abilities. God's abilities. Their perspective was off. And then David comes along and David, he doesn't see a giant. What does he see? He sees an uncircumcised Philistine who is offending the God of the Israelites. David sees an uncircumcised Philistine who is smaller than his God. I don't care how tall he is on this earth. David sees this man. You're not, you might be a giant here, but my God is much bigger than you. David sees an uncircumcised Philistine who's weaker than his God. David doesn't even see a giant. Doesn't even refer to him as a giant, but he just simply calls him that uncircumcised Philistine. And he says that the uncircumcised Philistine is bringing reproach upon the people of God. See, David was looking at the situation from God's perspective. David was looking at the situation from the way God saw it. Do you think God ever looks at a problem on earth and goes, man, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I'm really stuck on this one. I see so-and-so's not, they're a little cranky tonight. I don't don't know how I'm going to fix that. I see that things aren't going the way they expected. And to us, it's this huge giant in our life. And to God, he's going, I got this. Just let me have it. Let me run with it. It's fine. Just let me go with it. So as they're talking, as David sees this going on, as he sees the giant coming out, David says this in verse 26. And I think there was some sarcasm in his tone of his voice when he says it. He says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the approach from Israel? What are you guys talking about? What, what's, what's on the table for the man that does this? Remember, remember what was offered? Great riches, great riches from the king, the king's daughter in marriage, and your family would be exempt from all taxes forever. Wow, that's a lot on the table. He goes, what? You have to offer all this to get somebody to go after this, after this giant? And then he says something great. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine who should defy the armies of the living God? Again, the proper perspective. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is defying the armies? It's plural there. Remember, we talked about that. David has an indication. He knows what's going on spiritually. He realized that, that God's armies are much greater than the number of men that were standing on the hillside. God, God's armies, there was, there was angels involved. He realized there's a spiritual battle here. He realized it was much greater than, the, than, the, than, a, than a nine-foot-tall man in himself. He says, who is this giant that is coming after defying the armies of the living God? Would you, look at your, would you look at your circumstance or your giant the same way? Would you just think about it from God's perspective and say, who is this thing? What is this thing? Why is this thing defying a child of God? 
Why am I letting this thing aggravate me? Why am I letting myself get mad? Why am I letting myself get frustrated over whatever your giant is? You see, the truth is, as we go through life in Christianity as a Christian, as we go through life following Christ, you're going to come across a lot of giants. You're going to come across several Goliaths. It's not just one. You'll face one in different places. But how you fare is going to depend on your perspective. Do you see it as God's got this? God could handle this? I'm going to see what David did when he fought his giant? Or do you see it as a big problem? Are you dismayed and greatly afraid? You see the difference? So David, the little shepherd boy, is able to face this giant. And we're going to see tonight. He has the proper, if you're taking notes, write this down. David has the proper perspective of his enemy. He has the proper perspective. He understands it from God's perspective. And we talked real quick last week about how he did that. Remember, he had the Holy Spirit come upon him. So he had the courage that came from the Holy Spirit being upon him. He's got the proper perspective. Do you have the proper perspective of the giant in your life? Do you? If not, you need to change your mind. You need to change your perspective. If you're scared, if you're worried, if you're stressed out, if you can't handle it, if you're not sure what's going on, you're not sure what I'm going to do next, change it. Have the proper perspective. Understand that God is working and God is doing something. Now, so David says this, he makes these comments, and word gets back to King Saul, and we're going to pick up in verse 31 tonight. Look what he says, chapter 17, verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So Saul hears that David's talking like this. He calls for David. I can just imagine the conversation. Well, David, what are you doing? I have, I have men of, of valor. I have men of the proven men of battle. What do you mean saying this, that this is, what are you talking about? How, you're talking so flippantly about this giant. We're scared to death of him. And David says, let no man's heart fail because of, and I could just see him, him, as he points out, that, let the, don't let your heart fail because of him. I'll go fight with him. Your servant will go fight with this Philistine. Jot this down if you're taking notes. David was willing to fight with the enemy and take a step of faith. He was willing to fight. He wasn't with the proper perspective comes the willingness to fight. David said, I'm not just going to take it lying down. I don't care if all of you guys are behind me. I, I, I can take this guy out. I got God on my side. I'm not afraid of this giant in my life. We're going to work together and take this out. Let no man's heart fail him. I will go and fight. Let me ask you this. Are you afraid to do battle with the enemy? Are you afraid to do battle with a giant in your life? Do you, do you just ignore it? Do you just be like, ah, I, just, I just don't want to address that situation. I, yeah, it may, maybe it's a sin. I, I'll deal with that later. Maybe it's a circumstance. Well, I'm just going to avoid that circumstance. I'm just going to get, I just want to get away from that. No, I, no, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to fight the giants in our life. We're called to attack the giants in our life. We have to take a step of faith in battle because the opposite of that, if I'm not willing to fight or I'm afraid to fight, I have the wrong perspective because I've lost the understanding of how powerful and big my God is. I, need, I, need to, I want to be a giant slayer. I want to find the giants in my life and go kill them all. It takes time. We have to overcome them. We have to overcome them. Here, you must be willing to fight and do battle with your Goliath. You must be. If you don't, you'll never get past him. You'll never kill him. He'll stand out there for 40 days saying, who are you? Who are you to come after me? You send, send, give me what you got. At some point, you have to say, I've got God on my side, and I'm going to give you all of them. 
That's what we have to overcome our giants with. So Saul hears this. He sees a shepherd boy and a giant. And look what he says in verse 33. And Saul said to David, you were not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. He is a man of war from his youth. David, you're crazy. This is a man of war. He's, he's been fighting in war longer than you've been alive. You have no experience. You're outsized. You're outgunned. You're outmatched. This is crazy. You, you're, a, you're, you're not able to go against. You, you. Listen, if you go to fight a Goliath in your life, someone's going to tell you you can't do it. Someone's going to tell you you can't overcome. Someone's going to tell you, listen, you're not going to be successful. You don't have the tools that you need. You don't have the things that you need. You don't have the resources that you need. Someone's going to tell you it's not possible. And that's what Saul's doing. Why is Saul saying this? Because he's looking at it from the fleshly perspective. He's looking at David's size. He's looking at what he brought with him. He didn't bring, he didn't bring a sword. What did he bring? He brought food. He didn't come to do fight. He came to eat. That's what he was there for. Saul's perspective was fleshly. And not spiritual. Now look what David responds. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck and I killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing, don't miss this part, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David says, King Saul, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I've been prepared by God for this situation. God has prepared me for this. I've done battle with lions. I've done battle with bears. I've got prepared for it. I, my preparation day has taken place. Do you see how God prepared David as a shepherd for this very moment in his life. In his preparation, what do you think his attitude was? Can't believe my dad sticks me out here and watches the sheep again. All the other brothers are out doing war, and here I am watching the sheep. Nothing going on out here, but bah. You could just, can't you just see him complaining about That's not David. That wasn't David's heart at all. I think he was the best shepherd that he could have been. He was preparing. He didn't even know what he was preparing for. And listen, in the midst of your preparation, you will rarely see how God will use it. When you're being prepared for something, you're not going to understand why or how God's going to use it down the road. You're going to have to trust that what you're going through is preparation for something else. In the midst of our preparation, we rarely see how God will use it until the day that he does. Until the day that he does. You are being prepared. I am being prepared. Let's get prepared for whatever God has for us. Write this down. You must be prepared. I must be prepared before we take that big step of faith. Not only do I have to have the right perspective, I have to be prepared for what I'm about to do. You see, David just didn't go off on a limb and say, I'm going to go kill the giant. This, this wasn't just like a, a, a foolish idea. This is something God had been birthing in him for a long time. This preparation had been taking place for a long time. I think he built his relationship with the Lord while he was sitting out in the middle of the fields with nothing to do but pray and talk to God. So his mind, I believe, was focused on the Lord. David had cultivated his relationship with God while working as a shepherd. Before his big day, before he's going to become popular, before he's, everyone's going to know his name, he was a shepherd boy. And he was cultivating his relationship with God. 
David had practiced with his slingshot. You guys know the story, right? You know how Goliath dies. We've all, everybody that's been to Sunday school knows how he dies. But do you think that was the first shot he ever took? I bet he picked up rocks all day long. He knew that he was an accurate shot with that sling. He knew. He looked at that giant. I can put a rock right between his, right between his eyes from 100 yards away. I don't know how far he was. I, no problem at all. I'm not worried about it. I know I can do that. Why? Because he practiced. What if he sat there kicked rocks all day? God, you've got me in this place. I don't really like watching. You, you know, you, I got anointed by king by Samuel and a few years ago, and now here I am still sitting out here. I got to play the harp for King Saul for a little while, and now I'm back out here in the fields again. I thought, that, thought I was going to be king, God. No, he practiced. He prepared. I, I, believe he, I believe he would practice with that slingshot. He prepared by doing battle. He was doing battle beforehand. Mm-hmm. He was doing battle with bears, with lions. Mm-hmm. It's preparation. You must prepare your life to be used by God. If I want to be used by God, I have to prepare. If you want to be used by God, you have to prepare. Where do I, what do I have to do to prepare? Prepare right where you're at. Prepare right where you're at. You don't have to go away to prepare. You don't have to do anything special. Just prepare right where you're sitting, right where God has you planted, because this is where you are for the moment in life or the season in life. That's where you start to prepare. God, I want to be used by you. Then get ready. God, I want to teach the Bible someday. Well, then start teaching. Well, I don't have anywhere to teach. You have a family, teach to your family. Volunteer in children's ministry, teach in children's ministry. You know, if, you, if someone's called to teach, teach. You know, I want to be, you no, know, I want to teach where you teach, where you stand. This isn't the first place I ever taught. I started teaching the Bible. You know, the first place I ever started teaching the Bible was to my family. That was my family. We, in our house, we have circle time. Every morning we get together and we have Bible study together as a family. And I wasn't teaching circle time, Rebecca was teaching circle time. I sat there. And I watched it, and it was chaos because the kids wouldn't listen to her. They were all over the place, and this one want to do this, this one want to do that. And I watched all this chaos going on. I finally said one day, after I don't know how long it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was a longer, long period of time. I said, you know, I can change this. I'm going to teach this. And I said to her, I'm going to teach this Bible study from now on. And I've been doing it ever since. That's where I learned to teach is in my, teaching my family and my wife and my kids. And the first place I ever taught wasn't behind a pulpit. It was being faithful teaching them in the mornings in circle time. When nobody knew what was going on except my wife and my kids. And now we've taught through, I don't know how many books of the Bible, but my kids have been, Rob, your kids know the Bible. Do you know why? Because we've taught it to them. We've taken the time and, and poured that into them. Preparation for ministry, for the thing that you're being called to do is important. You see, God will use you in that area of your life that you're passionate about. He gave you that passion for a reason. Oftentimes, and I believe people don't get to be used to their full potential because of their lack of preparation, because they're not willing to put forth the effort in the preparation part because it's not as glamorous, it's not as well-known, it's not seen by everybody, it's kind of behind the scenes. Put forth the effort in preparation. David was prepared when he stepped on the battlefield to Goliath. He was prepared mentally, he was prepared physically, it wasn't the first battle that he faced. You understand? Now, verse 37. Look, David doesn't quit there. He says this to King Saul. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Jot it down, David gave glory to God. David gave glory to God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. He's not giving glory to his excellent slingshot capabilities. He's not giving glory to the fact that he beat a lion and now, now he can do it in his own strength. He says, no, God delivered me then and God delivered me now. 
I saw God work in my life then, and I'm going to see God work in my life now. God wants to work in your life in the small things, in the little things. He wants to deliver you from little things, then big things. He wants to use you in little ways, and then big ways. It works that way. Now, notice what else he said. Or jot this down, too. David believed he would beat Goliath. Well, yeah, you can see that. But listen, this is important. You can't beat the enemy if you don't think you can. If you don't think that you can beat the Goliath in your life or the giant in your life or the circumstance in your life or the sin in your life, whatever it is if you're up against, if you don't believe that you can beat that with the power of the Lord, not on your own strength, if you, don't, if you really don't believe you can win, guess what? You're probably not going to win. You're probably not going to win. You must give glory to God and you must believe you can overcome your giant. If... If I, if, I'm, if I compete in athletics and I go out there to whatever game you want to play, let's just say I don't think I'm going to win. I don't believe that I can win this game. What do you think my odds of winning are? Practically none. Because I'm already beat. I'm already scared before I, before I went out there. I'm, I, I, it's just, it's, it's going to be nothing. And then look what Saul says in verse 37. Go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> That's like, good luck, kid. Good luck, kid. Have at it. Go ahead. Good luck, kid. But before you go, before you go, David, Lord be with you. Before you go, look at verse 38. Let me give you something. Let me help you out. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put, on a, put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Those are the scales that look like arms, armor that looks like scales. David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I've not tested them. So David took them off. So Saul, do you get the picture here? Saul, David says, I'm, I'll go take care of it. Wait, wait, wait. Good. Lord be with you, kid. But here, also take my armor with you too. Put on my helmet, put on my breastplate, take my sword, put all this stuff on. And remember, Saul's a head taller than everybody else. So you could just picture this young I picture him as a little bit on the scrawny side, you know, like dragging around all his armor with him, being able to go, I can't fight in this stuff. This is more of a hindrance than it is a help. I think that's a lesson for us in there. David didn't try to use another man's armor. David didn't try to use another man's armor. Another, to, 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 he's not going to use another man's weapons that are untested in his life. You see, the, the sword worked for Saul. The breastplate, it worked for Saul. The helmet worked for Saul. I, you, we can't use other people's armor if it's not tested in our own life. Rob, you're confusing me a little bit. No, let me explain it to you this way. The armor, what's the armor? What's the armor of God? You guys know where it's at? Ephesians chapter 6. Let's just turn there real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul's closing out his letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Isn't that our big Goliath? Isn't that our big enemy? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts in the wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation, be prepared, of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let me just explain it to you this way. The things that I might use in my life to overcome my giant might not work for you. Because you just can't take what I do and copy it. You see, this armor that's talked about here, and we don't have time to do a study on it tonight, but that armor is what Paul's saying is his armor. If that armor doesn't belong to you, if you don't have your own way, you don't, you don't have your own weapons, you don't have your own armor to battle the enemy, you just can't copy somebody else's. Somebody might write a book. I'm a, I could write a book on this is how I overcame this and this and this in my life. And you could do the exact same things and have no victory. Why? Because you might be wearing another man's armor. You might be trying to do it differently. Not that the principles here that we're saying won't work for everybody because they will. But the idea is that David looks at this and goes, I can't wear this stuff. This works for you, Saul. It doesn't work for me. God's going to do something different with me. God's going to use me in a different way. And look what David does in verse 40. Back to 1 Samuel. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. David only uses those weapons which are tried and proven in his life. You see, these are the weapons he prepared with. These are the things that he carried every day. He didn't carry a sword every day. He didn't wear a breastplate or a helmet. These are the things that he fought off the enemy in his life every single day with. If God's going to equip you to fight off the enemy today, the same things that you fight off the giant today will be the same things that you fight off the giant with in the future. Let me say it again. The same way that you fight the enemy, the giant, the Goliath, whatever you want to call it in your life, the addiction, the circumstance, the sin, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're battling with, and we all battle with something at some point, the same method for overcoming it is the same one you'll use in the future. David says, I'm not going to switch methods because, because your sword is fancier, your sword is better. I'm going to stick with what God showed me so far. You see, that's where the personal relationship comes in. Because in one case, God might use a sword in somebody's life. In another case, he's going to use a staff and a slingshot. Now, David uses those because they're tested and effective in his life. He's used them before. So here's what you must do. You must find, develop, and test your spiritual weapons. When you hear the helmet of salvation, when you hear the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, do you associate Bible verses with those things? Does that mean something to you? Do you? Can you say, I am saved, and no matter what Satan says, I, that helmet of salvation has meaning to me, then it's yours. Otherwise, it's just somebody else's. If it's, if it's not yours, if it doesn't belong to you, if you don't have Bible verses in your life, the, the, we're told here the sword is the, is the word of God. If you don't have Bible verses in your life to fight off the enemy, then what are you fighting with? The flesh? 
David doesn't have a chance in the flesh. And everybody knows it. Neither does anybody else on the hill. But when we fight with the word of God, but you can't come to my house and copy the Bible verse I have written on my wall for the enemy that I'm fighting. You've got to go get your own Bible verse. You've got to have it from you. That, that, that's your armor. That's your stuff that's coming from you. It's not just copying what somebody else says. That's the problem with reading books sometimes. Because you can read a great story about something that worked for somebody else. But when it comes to your life, God wants to do something a little different. He wants to show you strong in a different way. And you might have a different sword, a different Bible verse that he's drawing on for you. I encourage you, those verses that you study, write them down. Put them on your wall, put them in your car, put them someplace where you need to see them. Because that's what you're going to, when the enemy attacks or the circumstance rises up or the, the feelings of anger or the feelings of fear or the feelings of whatever it is, it starts to come up. Go back to that verse because that's your sword that you're going to do battle with. And while I can give suggestions, when you're going to, the, here's what happens. Here's how it works. Let's say you're, ha I'll just, let, let's just say I'm having a panic attack, you know, and there's something going on in my life and I'm really nervous about something and I'm really worried about something and uh, I got a couple options I can do. But I, as a Christian, I want to run to the word of God. I want to go to God's word. God, I, I'm really nervous here. I'm really upset. Show me something in your word about my life. And my life is falling apart. I don't understand it. And you come across the verse that says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And you go, oh, I needed to hear that. Lord, that was for me. This circumstance in my life, you are working this for good. You might bring somebody to salvation by this circumstance. Wait a minute. This is for me. You see, that Bible verse then becomes yours. That's part of your armor that you're carrying around. It's not a verse that you copied off a website or got in a devotional. It's something that you found out of God's word that now you can do battle with when the enemy comes at you and says, nah, this circumstance is terrible. You need to get out of it. Run. And you can say, no. I know that all things work together for good to those, are, to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I know that's happening in my life, so I'm not running. I'm staying here and I'm fighting. Do you see how it works? But it's got to be mine. It's got to be mine. If it's not mine, it's just, it's just words. So David only uses these weapons that he's tried and he's proven in his own life. His big day comes, and he's just relying on the things that he's already used. There's nothing new here. Verse 41. So the Philistine came. Oh, before we go there, look what it says. And he drew near to the Philistine. He wasn't afraid. Verse 41. So the Phil he, he took the first approach. Goliath is out there, and David says, all right, here I come. So he, he drew near to the Philistine. Verse 41, the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. Imagine the crowd. <gasps> you can hear all the <gasps> little guy, big guy. David and Goliath story, right? Here it is. And began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him. That means he belittled him. For he was only a youth. Ruddy and good-looking. What a cute kid. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Remember, he's got a staff at his hand, a shepherd's staff. You're bringing a stick to me? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Goliath's pretty confident, isn't he? He's not worried about a thing. Listen, David was cursed and belittled by Goliath for the physical things he lacked. He was cursed and belittled by Goliath for the physical things that he lacked. Because he wasn't big enough, because he wasn't old enough, because he didn't have armor. He had a stick in his hand. What am I, a dog? 
He's being cursed and belittled, and you better believe that your Goliath will do the exact same thing. Your challenge, your giant in your life is going to tell you, you can't overcome me. What do you, who do you think? You think you're a good Christian. You're not a good Christian. You don't even hardly go to church. You can barely drag. You're lucky the roof doesn't cave in when you walk in there. After your history, all that past, and you're like, what, what's wrong with you? You ever heard it? Or maybe it's a circumstance where you're just a worrier, and you're worried. Look at you worrying again. You don't trust God at all. No faith in your life at all. Yeah, there you are worrying again, staying up all night, worried about the situation. What's wrong with you? That's what he does. He's going to curse and belittle. David's just a youth. You and I better know that our Goliaths will curse us. They'll belittle us, and they'll insist that you cannot be victorious. But you can. You can. You absolutely can. And David, do you think he turns and runs? No way. Look what he says in verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you, take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wow, that's a lot of powerful words coming from a little guy with a stick in his hand and a few rocks in his pocket, five rocks in it. Why do you have five, by the way? Anybody know? Anybody know why he had five stones in his pocket? Goliath had four brothers. Tell us in 2 Samuel chapter 18. Goliath had four brothers. That's just speculation, but he did have four brothers, and some people say, well, that's why he picked up five stones. So here he comes, and he says to them, you come to me with the sword, with the spear, and with the javelin. Unafraid, David did not back down, but here's what he does. He points out the truth to Goliath. To the enemy, to the Goliath, to the problem, he points out the facts. You see, enemy always, the Goliath enemy, they always want to distort the truth in your life. They always want to distort the facts. They always want to tell you half-truths. But David clearly points out the truth. He says to them, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. In other words, he says, you come to me with earthly weapons, but I have the Lord of hosts. You're coming to me with stuff. I'm coming to you with God. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of the Israel. He says, you've defied God, and I am a servant of God. You've defied God, I'm a servant of God. As a matter of fact, he says, you will be killed. This is a man who believes that he's going to slay Goliath before he ever gets out there. It all started with his proper perspective before he stepped foot onto the battlefield. He says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to live, you're going to die. I'm going to strike you and take your head, and the, all of your army are going to be bird food. Out there, on, they're going to be bird food and worm food out there on the battlefield for the next 30 days while you guys rot. Now, what do you think Goliath did at this? I think he laughed. I think he thought, man, this guy's got spunk. What a peppy little guy. You know, I, I kind of admire the little guy. What, a, what an underdog. But notice where his courage is coming from. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. But notice why he's courageous like this, because he says it very clear. So all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. You see, David recognizes this battle. It's not about him and Goliath. It's about God. God wants to show himself strong in his people. 
God wants his people to overcome Goliath so they don't have to be dismayed and afraid. God says, I want, listen, I'm your God. I don't, want to be, I, want, I don't want to be a weak God. I want to be a strong God. How many times have we portrayed him as a weak God by the way that we've lived, by the choices we've made? God says, I don't want to be that. I want to be a God that helps you overcome sin. I want to be a God that takes you, gives you freedom. I want, I want to be a God that walks with you during a difficult situation so you can still praise me. You can still give praise during hardship and hard times because you know that I'm here. That's the testimony that we want. That's what we want to live through. I want all the earth to know. And then when it comes to your enemy, when you're fighting your Goliath, I want you to point out the biblical truth to your Goliath as well. When your Goliath says, you got this past, you know, you really were a really bad person. You think all of a sudden now because you said a prayer and chose to follow Christ, it all goes away. I want you to point out the truth that your old man's dead. All things are made new. That God chooses to remember my sins no more. And if you don't know those scriptures and you need them tonight, go find them. I'm not going to give them to you because I want them to be yours. I want, when, 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 you, when, you're, when your addiction says, I, I can't give this up, I can't stop, I, I can't do that, I want you to remind yourself that your flesh has no power over you. Your flesh has no power over you. I want you to remind the enemy, the Goliath that's coming after you of his future. Where's, what's Satan's future? Fire and brimstone. He's going to the lake of fire. Remind him about his future sometimes if he's bothering you, if you feel like you're being bothered. Tell him where he's going. But, 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 but my, my Goliath is, is my mind. I can't control what I think about. I can't control what I think about. I think about all these. No, the Bible says renew your mind. The Bible says set your mind on things above. You see, the Bible says you can control what you think about and how you think about it. So when you think, I can't control that, I have no option, I have no Yes, you do have an option. Who decides what you think? Say, I do. I decide what I think, you decide what you think. Doesn't mean you won't be tempted to think something you shouldn't, but who decides if you go down that rabbit trail? You do. I do, in my own mind, in my own life. So when the enemy or my Goliath is telling me my mind is filling, filling me full of lies, filling me full of garbage, telling me God doesn't care about me. God doesn't even know who you are. You remind me of the scriptures that you do battle there. You see, but if you don't have any weapons to fight, if you don't have any Bible verses to say, wait a minute, God does care about me. God does know who he knows. He knows the number of hairs on my head. If you don't have that to fight, however, the, you see, Satan attacks us all in different ways. Our Goliaths are all different things. And again, it's not always sin. It could be a circumstance that you're facing. But if you don't have the scripture in your heart, it's not hidden in your heart to attack that enemy you're going to be sitting there for 40 days like the Israelites, dismayed. You're going to be afraid. That's not what God calls us to be. I want to be like David. I want that proper perspective. When the, when, when the enemy's saying, God, God doesn't love you. If he did, you'd have, he'd be providing for you. No, no, my God does love me. And if he's not providing for me financially just at this moment, there's a reason for it because he's doing something in my life. God's not in control of your situation. If he was, this wouldn't be happening. No, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God knows what's going on. And God is doing something. Well, here's the part we've been waiting for. Verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He's taking his giant head on. He's not waiting for the giant to attack. He's going after the giant. I like that. He's going after him. Then David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. 
So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Notice David didn't run away from Goliath. David ran toward not only Goliath, but the entire army. One man. What were the Israelites doing? Oh, I don't know. Let's pray. You want to pray? You pray for him. I'll pray for him. This guy needs our help. Let's pray. I don't even think they were doing that. I think they were looking, they were looking at what they thought was going to be a bloodbath in front of them. I, thought they were, I think they were going to see, they expected to see David just get beat to a pulp and left out there in the field, left out there in the valley. Don't run from your giant. Attack it. Don't ignore it. Attack it. Don't let it just fester. Attack it. Don't run from your situation. Go after it. What do I go after with? The word of God. That's your, that's your weapon. And then he says, look, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Can you picture this? The adrenaline's flowing for David. He's running towards him. He gets the sling out. It's a running shot because he's running. He hits him right in the forehead. Goliath falls over and there he stands and goes, I don't have a sword. Now what do I do? I should have planned better. No, that's not what he said. I don't have a sword. What am I going to do? David wasn't worried about the small details of how it was all going to play out. David was just walking in obedience. You see, sometimes we can worry about all the little details. Well, wait a second. If God's with me and I kill the Goliath, then I, after I kill him, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And then I've got to get a sword. So where am I going to get a sword? Well, I could use his sword or should I bring Saul's sword? All that, that'll confuse you. You can talk yourself out of doing something for God if you're too worried about the details. A step of faith is just that. It's a step of faith. Not that it's not calculated, but you can't be so worried about the details that it keeps you from taking the step of faith. He gets there and he goes, well, I don't have a sword. I'll use his. See, the little guy picks up the big guy's sword and he cuts off his head. You must not worry or overthink all the small things. Just be obedient in the fight with what you have available. Just go with what God's given you. The staff, the slingshot, the stones, and off he goes to the fight. He wasn't worried about the details. He trusted the Lord to work them out. Obedience to God's plan is always the best. Always the best. The Philistines, now, picture it. All the guys are lined up on one side for the Philistines. All the guys are lined up on the other side for the Israelites. They're watching. The Philistines are probably cheering. The Israelites are going, <gasps> Here comes David running across the valley, lets the slingshot go, hits Goliath in the head. Goliath falls over. David takes his sword, cuts him off. Israelites are cheering. Philistines are going, uh-oh. Now what do we do? See how fear turned in a moment? In a moment, fear went from Israel to the Philistines. Think about that. In, in a split second, the Israelites for 40 days have been scared to death, dismayed and greatly afraid, knees knocking. And in just a moment, Why? Why did the fear turn so quickly? Because they realized the power of God. What was, what was David talking about? Was it, did they realize the power of David? Or what was David saying? I have the armies of the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm the God will be with me. I'm going to knock you down and cut your head off. And he, and he does. It happens. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and they shouted, and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharam, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents 
And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. This is Saul's armor. He took, armor. He took Saul's armor. Listen, the enemy fled. The enemy fled. What was an enemy a second beforehand, what was a Goliath a second beforehand, is now seen turning and running. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you want the enemy to flee in your life? Resist him. Resist him. It's simple as that. Resist the devil, resist the enemy, resist the temptation, resist it, and it will go away. It'll flee from you. And then it goes on in verse 8, it says, draw near to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If there's a Goliath, if there's a situation, if there's a giant in your life, resist it. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. What happened? David just resisted. So Goliath came out, David resisted, he approached under the power and the strength of the Lord, and what happened? He won, he was victorious, and the enemy took off and fled, just like the scripture says. Now when Saul, verse 55, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know. So the king said, well, inquire, whose son this man is? And David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, and Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistines in his hand. <laughs> Something we don't understand in our culture. <laughs> and Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. If you want to overcome the giant in your life, you must have the proper perspective of your enemy. You must have God's perspective, a spiritual perspective. You must be willing to fight and do battle with your giant. It won't be easy. You must be prepared before taking that big step of faith. The preparation has to happen. You'll be prepared all along the way. You must give glory to God, and you must believe that you can actually overcome your giant. You see, if I don't believe that I can win, I don't have any chance. If I don't believe the word of God to be true, then I can't use it. You see, the only way the word of God works against your giant is if you really believe it. If you don't believe the word of God, if you don't believe that the enemy will flee, submit to God, resist the, resist the enemy and he will flee from you. If you don't believe that verse in James chapter 5, it'll never happen. But if you believe it, you go, Lord, you said he's going to flee. You believe that and you resist, he'll flee. I promise you. You must not use another man's armor. You have to get your own battle weapons. You have to go get your own. They might be the same as somebody else's, but you have to go develop them. You have to go train with them. You have to go practice with them. You have to go use them. You must find and develop and test your own spiritual armor. Remember, David said Saul's armor wasn't what? It wasn't tested. It wasn't tested. You know, when you test something, do you know how much more faith it gives you in something? I'm going to give you a quick story. Before I became a pastor, you guys know I was a police officer, and one of the things I did as a police officer, I was on a SWAT team. And one of the things we did as a SWAT team is we would, uh, the, the, the first guy that would go into a, a situation always had a shield in front of him, you know. Well, a couple times I was the guy holding the shield. And, you know, you go into a difficult situation, a high-risk situation, and you're holding this shield, and you're always wondering, I wonder if this thing will really stop a bullet. 
I wonder if it really will. You know, I mean, do you think it will really stop a bullet? You're not sure, but you, they, they say it will, right? The, the, the guy that made it says it will, and the manufacturer says it will. Well, one day, believe it or not, those things expire. You know, there, there's an expiration date on all the ballistic stuff for, for law enforcement. I think it's just so they'll buy new ones, but it, it, it expires. And after it expires, there's a liability issue, so they have to throw it away and buy new ones. Well, we took this old expired shield, and we took it out to the range one day, and we said, let's shoot at it. Let's just, let's just blow the thing up and see if it really stops bullets. Well, we sat it, and we, we did it calculated, and we set it up, and it was safe, and we shot at this thing. We shot at the little glass window that you look through, and we shot at all this thing. And then we went down, and we picked it up. And you know what? It worked. We shot different caliber rounds. We shot different guns at it. We shot all this different stuff. Well, the next time I had to hold that shield, guess what? This thing really works. Why? Because it was tested. It was tested by me. It wasn't tested by the manufacturer. I wasn't taking his or her or the company's word for it. It was tested by me. I shot at the thing, and it held the bullet back. Now, when I have to hold that shield, guess what? I want it. I know it works. I want it. That thing has the validity. The value is so much greater because now it's been tested by me. The word of God is the same way. When you do battle with your enemy, when you do battle with your giant, you're going to use the word of God and it's going to become tested. It's going to become proven. It's not going to become a suggestion anymore. It's going to see, you're going to see, I was victorious with this scripture. I'm going to put it on my belt and use it again. And the more it's used and the more victory it has, then it becomes yours. It's not just somebody else's. Make sense? Listen, your Goliath will curse you. He will belittle you. Insist that you can't be victorious, but you can in Christ. You must, you must point out the biblical truth to your Goliath. As your enemy, as your situation, as your circumstances tell you lies, you go back to what the Bible says. You have a responsibility as a Christian to know what the Bible says, and then you point out his errors. That's what David did. You came at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, right? All true. You're right. By all practical purposes, that's all Goliath needed to whip him. But David said, but I come to you. I come to you with the power of the living God. I'm coming to you with God. You see, this is much greater than a physical thing. This is a spiritual battle that's taking place. And I know that God wants to show himself strong by helping us overcome our enemies so you're dead today. And he got up there and he proclaimed the Goliath dead. And guess what happened? He died. You can't run from your Goliath, but you have to attack it. You can't ignore it. You can't push it aside. You can't let the problem just fester. It'll take care of itself. No, it won't. It's going to stand out there every day saying, look at me deal with me. You can't touch me. You're helpless against me. You've tried. You can't do it. Don't overwork. Don't, do not worry or overthink the small things. Don't worry about how it's all going to work out, how it's going to come. Just, just be obedient to what God calls you to do. When God, when God calls you to move in a circumstance, in a situation, just be obedient. If you resist your Goliath, he will flee from you. He's going to flee from you. Most important thing that you need to know that David had, and we haven't spent a lot of time talking about it, all the things that we covered are principles. Principles are principles. They work for anybody in any circumstance. But David also had, and you need this too, and I need this too, because these principles will not work for us unless we have the Holy Spirit upon us. We cannot forget that part. The Bible says it in, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you come upon you. The Holy Spirit comes upon you 
He empowers you to do God's will for your life. He empowers you over the enemy. He empowers you to complete what God's called you to do. That's the key. That's the secret sauce, if you will. That's the secret ingredient. The principles, they're all principles. Anybody can give you principles in 12 steps and 10 steps and do these five things. Without the Holy Spirit, none of it works. It's not going to work because it's all being done in the flesh. We already established the fleshly perspective is wrong. We want the spiritual perspective. The only way David has this spiritual perspective. It has all started with his perspective. Remember way back in the beginning. The only way that he has the right perspective is because the Holy Spirit is upon him. That's where it all starts. That's where it has to come from. And the Bible tells us if you don't have the Holy Spirit upon you, just ask. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Bring your spirit upon me today. It's as simple as that. I need that. David has the Holy Spirit. You can have victory in your, over your Goliath, but you have to believe. You have to believe that you can have victory. If you don't believe, you'll nev- it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, this story that's here recorded for us in 1 Samuel, David and Goliath, we all have heard it, we know it. But Lord, I pray that it goes beyond a story and it goes to an impact of our heart. I pray that we look at these principles that David used to overcome the enemy. We call them Goliath. We call them giants. Some of us call them their demons in our life. Whatever we want to call it. Whatever that thing is that we're facing. Lord, I think you want us to know that we can have victory. That we don't have to fight with this Goliath forever. We don't have to listen to the taunting, to the belittling of this Goliath. Like the nation Israel did for 40 days. Afraid. But instead... Not in our power, but in your power. We can fight this, Goliath. And we can have victory. Not because we deserve it, because you're a God who wants to show himself strong. You're a God who wants to give his people victory over these circumstances, over these sins, over these situations in our life that want to tear us down. You're a God who wants to give us victory so we can point back to you. So that when we look at other people and say, how is it that you're doing it? We can look and say, it's the Lord God. Or would you do that in our life? Would you take these things? If our perspective has been wrong, may we repent. If we've been looking at our circumstance, our Goliath, too long, may we repent and look at our God. If we've missed the spiritual perspective, how big you are, how powerful you are, Lord, may you just show us that as you have. May we repent, Lord, and have that heart that says, My God can do anything. And I'm willing to be obedient, even in the face of death. Even in the face of failure. Even in the face of disaster. I'm not afraid because my God is with me. If God is with us, who can be against us? In Jesus' name, amen.